Predictions. I am Gil, joined with Evan and Azad, and today we'll be talking about the Super Bowl. Of course, that is what we are here to do, to give you our predictions, analytics, and even more football talk rather than just the Super Bowl. But we are not only football, Power Predictions also covers basketball and baseball. And a little plug right now, if you like our show, which you are tuning into right now, check us on our podcast. We are just right under the, you know, KMIH 88.9 The Bridge and go down to podcast in your Spotify and you will find our show there. So if you like football and sports talk, this is the place to be. So let's just hop straight into it. Why did the Chiefs win this game, guys? Amazon have any input? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to start off by saying why the 49ers didn't win this game, and then I'll move into why the Chiefs won the game. 49ers didn't win the game is because, I mean, they didn't run the ball for as much as I saw. I mean, the whole playoffs, they had, they were able to run the ball. They were able to run the ball. This game, they gave Jimmy Garoppolo 31 passing attempts, and they haven't done that since the Falcons game. If you guys can remember that nail breaker. Yeah. They haven't. Jimmy Garoppolo, he doesn't throw a lot, and you, you asked him to throw a lot in the biggest game of the year, and he didn't perform too like a gr- uh, amazing level. So, and then Patrick Mahomes was able to perform. D- Tyree Kill was able to. He was able to expose Richard Sherman on the defense. They were just able to find da- gaps in the defense. And that's why they won. Yeah, and I think that the Chiefs they played Derrick Henry, which he was on a monster roll uh, last two weeks ago on uh, the championship, and they stopped him pretty well. So I I didn't I wasn't surprised that Kansas City was able to stop the San Francisco run defense because they wanted to put it in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands. And I guess it just didn't work out for them. And let's talk about one more thing. Um, do you guys think Patrick Mahomes deserved MVP? Yeah, I think he did. You know I what? Think he did. I, I know there's a lot of controversy, but I think he did. I think he definitely deserved that MVP, but I think other players definitely also did, like Damian Williams. Yeah, I could see that, but the thing is, Patrick Mahomes had three touchdowns. He did have two picks, but keep in mind, one pick was a drop off Tyreek Hill's hand. And then That's true. He, the first three quarters, you could say that he didn't play good. He was off. I mean, he didn't miss a couple of throws. But the fourth quarters, he did step it up. He, and he put the team on his back, and he's the one that won the game. Yeah, I mean, you could see I could see people saying Patrick Mahomes, and I wouldn't argue against that. But I, I think that Damian Williams should have won it. He had 130 yards from scrimmage. He had two touchdowns. Uh, he just looked like a beast in this game. I, I, didn't, I didn't see San Francisco stop him. And it really kept Patrick Mahomes going, being able to dump it off to... David Williams or just letting him run it and yeah, getting yards. I think that really helped Patrick Mahomes. I 110% agree with Evan because Patrick Mahomes, I know when you say Patrick Mahomes didn't have a Patrick Mahomes game, that is kind of, you can't really base it off what kind of games Patrick Mahomes had in the past. But Damian Williams, when you look at the whole entire playoffs, because the Super Bowl MVP isn't just always just the Super Bowl game. It's always the players that have, you know, brought them through the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes, of course, he has had a pretty good season, a pretty good playoff. Pretty good. But pretty good, you know. Excellent. But but Super Bowl MVP is excellent, you know. And Damian Williams was, you can't argue that he was not excellence. Yeah, but. He, He showed up every game. And you could even, I know wide receivers never win this, but Tyree Kill had an outstanding game. Yeah, but the reason why it's not Tyree Kill is Tyree Kill didn't score a touchdown, and he had a drop. You're right, you're right. But that drop was because of Patrick Mahomes' throws. Like he, he, it was catchable. I know, that that Super Bowl, he was, he was throwing behind receivers, he wasn't hitting his routes. And I know, like I said, yeah. it's not on the Super Bowl, it's not just that Super Bowl game, but I think Patrick Mahomes shouldn't have won that award. And I can't debate that he should have or shouldn't have because that's a very hard debate, but I think Damian Williams should have. 
Uh, I thought Damian Williams. I mean, he had thirty. He had thirty yards. Thirty-eight. Yeah, thirty-eight yard touchdown score. But that was after Patrick Mahomes led the team to score, come back, and that was just the that was just the cherry on the top. That was just some extra points. Nothing yeah, crazy. I, I mean, I can see where you're going, Yazad. Um, I think Patrick Mahomes deserved it just as much as Damon Williams did, but mm-hmm. I think that Damon Williams kind of had the edge on him just because Damon Williams, like, he was able to run the ball the entire game, and it wasn't just in the final seconds of the game. Either, yeah. Even though he did have a run at the final seconds was a touchdown. Uh, Patrick Mahomes also, I mean, he did lose 15 yards rushing at the end of the game, but he also had, like, 45 yards rushing. Yeah, he did good rushing. and He had a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing to go wrong with how his performance was. I think he did pretty good, but he did, as as uh, Gil said, he did underthrow some balls. So Yeah, he did. He did in the first. Let's talk about the 49ers now. And I want to start by saying the 49ers rushing, 22 attempts. I mean, um, I know that's, like, for a lot of other teams, that'd be fine, but the 49ers are a run-based team. They're a power-run team. Raheem Mosser only got 12 carries. He got 12 carries, and he ran for 220 against the Packers. I think... I don't know what Kyle Shanahan was thinking. I would just give the ball, because he was running fine. He had 12 yeah. carries, 58 yards. And I, also going back to Evan's point with the run game and how the 49ers were able to see the Chiefs stop Derrick Henry so well, do you guys think that they were scared of having this just primary run game? Because I saw them trying to develop it. The, Steve, the Chiefs, like Evan said, just made so many stops when they even tried. They got some carries, but they made so many stops when it really mattered. Yeah, I agree with that. And one person who sticks out with me on the San Francisco team is Debo Samuels. Yeah, he's special. Uh, he had, he's a wide receiver, but he had three carries with 53 yards. I mean, if he has those type of stats, I would run that same play all game long because I the Chiefs did struggle in open field tackling, and I would just keep running that play, and then you could fake it. You could hand it off to Raheem Mostert. There would be a bunch of more strategy into that. Yeah, play action. And, yeah, I wish okay. Kyle Shanahan saw that earlier in the game. And Jimmy Garoppolo, he he didn't do that good. He just two picks. He did yeah. an average, like he did an average QB would do, like on the Detroit Lions or something like that. It wasn't it wasn't anything special. Yeah, I just don't know why they decided to throw the ball so much. I mean, they were up and they should have passed. The, I mean, they should have ran the ball. They were up by ten and they were passing on first. Yeah, that's, and third that's down. true. Like you need to waste some clock. And Raheem yeah. Mostert was getting at the at the end of the game. He was starting to get five six yards per carry. Yeah, Raheem Mostert, I mean, he's he's been on a tear these last, like, 5, 10 NFL he has. games. I would have given Raheem Mostert, like, 30 touches. Like, not even kidding. Yeah. I would give him 20 more touches. I, I'd say somewhere on there, too. And Tevin Coleman started the game, which I was surprised about. Yeah, I was about. so surprised about that one, too. But, I mean, it doesn't really matter how you start. It's how you finish. And I guess Kansas City finished better than San Francisco. Yep. And the 49ers receivers, they all their averages are so high. Like, you, most of them are, like, 15-yard averages. Per reception, what is what is, is that? Just the 49ers game plan of throwing it deep and getting a lot of yards in mm. a drive. I mean, it's just normal. I think. Um, like as I said, I saw Kansas City not really be, being able to make the open field tackles, and I could see they would like Jimmy Garoppolo throw 15, 10 yards down the field, and then they would run for another five, six yards, and I think that's really where it came in. But as Gil, you did say that he had there was like a big average. You'd think keep throwing it, but I think they could have worn out the Chiefs' defense a lot earlier in the game by just keep running the ball there. He mustered, and then they would just go to throwing yeah. the ball, which would have been a lot easier on Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I agree with that too. And to wrap up, kind of that Super Bowl overview, I would I think we all agree that the 49ers should have worn them out more with the run game. 
which was Evan's idea, but and also that the Chiefs just kind of had a game plan going into it, and they knew how to stop a dominant run game like the Titans. So is that kind of what the 49ers should have done, just tried to warn out the Chiefs and then thrown the deep ball? Yeah, but the I think the main difference for me, what's different between this and the Titans game, is that the 49ers, they actually they did have a good run game. Like Debo Samuels, yeah. he did have seven, he averaged seventeen point seven yards on three carries. Reed Mustard averaged almost five yards, sixty yards, five yards per carry, sixty yards and all. And like they had, they had, they established a run game. They just didn't stick with it. Yeah. Uh, which I don't know why. I don't know what Kyle Shanahan was thinking, but yeah. Well, I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's the saying. But now transitioning into basketball, we're going to be talking about the trade deadline that is coming up. And a couple of names that are being thrown out in this NBA season, one of them being D'Angelo Russell. How could D'Lo affect a team when moving from the Warriors? Because you can see the plan, game plan of the Warriors right now is to tank. With Curry and Klay Thompson out, they're looking to tank with a good trade. I mean, with a good pick next year in the draft. I mean, well, they traded for D'Lo. I don't know why would they trade? They would trade him away. I, I don't think they're they're gonna trade him away mm-hmm. because right now the Warriors are sitting in a good draft spot. They're they're gonna get they have to get lucky for the lottery, mm-hmm. but they are really lucky that James Wiseman. Because they they need a center. James Wiseman he um, he got kicked out. I think he left Memphis because of, like the NCA rules or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like he's either going to go later in the draft, and I feel like the Warriors are going to try to pick him up. And their starting lineup would be Steph Curry, D'Lo, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and James Wiseman. I think that's a lineup we're going to see from 2015 when they went 73 and nine or yeah. whatever year it was. I think they're going to be that good again, and that's a really good lineup. So. I think it's smart of them to tank right now. Yeah, that is going to be an amazing lineup if they can all stay healthy. That's the biggest thing. That team almost sounds better than when they had Kevin Durant. Yeah, I agree if, with that. And you forgot, like, Draymond Green and all those players. Yeah, and I, I think what they're doing right now is really good. Is They're not really tanking, but, I mean, they are tanking, but, like, they're putting in players who are starting to get more playing time, like Damian Lee, you guys might know him. Mm-hmm. And he... Um, they're just trying to get him more playing time, so next year he can come off the bench and he'll be able, he'll be comfortable scoring 10, 15 points a game. And yeah, he'll smart. help the team a lot. And Steve Curry's doing a good job with yeah. these young athletes. That's a really smart coaching decision because if you know you're going to probably have no chance to make the playoffs with Clay and Steph out for most of all the season. So get those players that are young and that are developing, get them some playing time and then next year. I, I think they can be a real force next year. Yeah. With the team that they're building up right now, I think they can be a force. It's going to be fun to see them in the Lakers next year. Yeah, another... Well, oh, sorry. Let's talk about the Lakers for a second, then we can go back to the trade deadline, if that's okay with you. No, no, it's fine. All, you know, all Lakers right now. Yeah, Lakers, they're they're definitely a force. Now they got something to play for. As you, as we see LeBron, he wants to play for Kobe, which is something that, we got, that I respect and that I think all basketball yeah. fans respect. And I think the Lakers, I mean, they play so big, and it's so hard to stop... So dominant, big men. They have Doy Howard. They have LeBron James, Anthony Davis. All these big guys, and like they're actually like a very solid, good defensive team. They get a lot of blocks. They play very Definitely. well defense, which is why they're on top of the West. And I think they locked up the one seed in the West. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't say locked up, but like it's close. They, it's 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 gonna come down. To, it's gonna be close. But I think that the Lakers are gonna deserve it and they're gonna get it. But at the same time. I've seen LeBron passing the ball a lot more than he normally did on like the Cavs and stuff like that. Yeah, he's leading the team with assists. 
And I think when it comes to the playoffs, he's not going to make those extra passes, and he's just going to try to dunk it over people, mm-hmm. and he's going to drop forty a game in the playoffs, and that they're going. I think that that's my prediction. What's going to happen in the playoffs? And because people are saying like LeBron's not as good as he used to be, I mean he's just he's still a top and, player. And yeah, assists are good to get because you have to make that pass, and most players don't want to make that pass. And LeBron's doing that right now, and he's I feel like he's not going to do it as much, and he's going to start dropping forty a game. Now yeah. let's talk a team a little more under the radar and under the 500 radar, I should say. The Portland Trailblazers, 22 and 27, they beat the Lakers not by a substantial amount, but they definitely beat them. And what this, I think this is a great sign for the Trailblazers. If they can take down a team like this, I know it's definitely different than the playoffs, but the Trailblazers, they're definitely making an upward trend towards the middle of the season. Yeah, this is a tough game for the Lakers, but. There, there was the game where like everyone got a Kobe jersey, right? And yeah. That, yeah, the, the tribute to Kobe. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Damian Lillard, he's been playing out of his mind, averaging 30 points. I mean, that's crazy. Like in the last couple five games, he's been averaging 40 points. That's nuts. That's yeah. absolutely insane. And he's he's so efficient on the court. He makes like when he's on the court, he gets if he's not getting points, he's getting rebounds. If you're not getting rebounds, he's getting assists. He's so efficient while he's yeah, on the he court. Yeah, he had against the Utah Jazz, who were on fire at the beginning of this uh, this new year. They're still on fire. He yeah. had 51 points and 12 assists. Like, wow. That's insane. Like, I mean, like that's really tough to do, having 12 assists, that many points. And Damian Lillard, the only problem with this team, though, is I feel like he has to score this many points for this team to win. I don't know, because he's I, th- there's like a 99% chance that he's not going to keep this up. And the problem is, is how are they gonna? How are the rest of the Trailblazers crew gonna do? CJ McCollum is averaging twenty right. points, but he is very inconsistent. But here's the I'm thing, saying. like unlike Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard isn't inconsistent. I know there's a twenty, like ninety nine point nine percent chance he can't keep up the scoring. I don't think anyone affair, can keep that scoring. But here's the thing, he has done it. He's done it season, like season in, season out. Last season. They made it to the playoffs because Damian Lillard scored 40 points. On OKC, yeah. Yeah. Crazy night. He hit the game Crazy night. He hit the game winner, and that was like, what, four feet away from the three-point line. But what I'm going to say is that the Trailblazers, I definitely see them as a playoff team. I'm going to say they're definitely going to snag that eighth spot. And with the Jazz, the the Jazz have a great defense with Rudy Gobert just kind of guarding the paint right there. And they have some other dudes like Joe Ingles, who's a good shooter but can also play defense. I just see with a team like that and Damian Lillard scoring 51 points, that's that's pretty solid. Yeah, it's pretty solid. And also, you can see, like we said at the start of the year, Trailblazers, I, the best move that they did was get Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, I doubted that move, and I no longer yeah, doubt it. I know. He's played 32 minutes, scored 15 points, which is fine. He's kind of stepping into the role of a forward C.J. McCollum. Yeah, he's I agree with that. he's shooting threes. He's playing fine D, and I think it's a great pickup that great the Trailblazers pickup. did. It's a great pickup. But is will Carmelo be the same in the playoffs? With how old mm. he is, will he deteriorate? Um, I think that's a good question. I think he'll be just fine. I think he's gonna he's not gonna be a player scoring thirty five points a game, but he's gonna be he's a role player now. He's kind of adapted to that role. And he's he's gonna he's the person who has to step up when Damian Lillard's on the bench taking a break, or when Damian Lillard's getting double teamed or something like that. That's where he's gonna have to step up. But the biggest part about this team, I think, is Hashan Whiteside, their center. He's gonna he's a good player, and he's gonna have to really do something special in the playoffs if they want to go far because he's a good player, and 
He just needs to do really good in the playoffs, pretty much. And they picked him up from the Heat, right? Or signed him, something like that. But, yeah, he is a great center. He plays great D, and he scores points. 17 points against the Jazz when Dame scored 51. So I want to go back a quick second. I want to talk about give a quick mention about what you guys said about Carmelo Anthony being a role player in the playoffs. Yeah. A lot of NBA stars, like, he, he's a Hall of Famer. Mm. A lot of NBA stars. First ballot. Yeah. You gotta, I, I don't know if he can accept his role as a, as a, just like, you know, just a, a role player, player. yeah. A role player, and he's like, he wants the ball, he shoots a lot. He, 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 he's been known for being a ball hog, but, I don't know if he's going to accept his role, which I think he could struggle with in the playoff, and I don't think he'll average more than like I love Carmelo just as much as the next guy, but I agree with you, Zod. He's going to take on the role as the superstar player. He's going to act kind of like the Kobe, His not his last game, but he's going to act like it's his last game and try to score 70 points. <laughs> that's what I think is going to really happen. All jokes aside. Yeah. Because this, that's just not going to happen. He's... He, he, the, he, the reason he got on a team was to be a role player. He's not on this team to be the carry. They don't. They already have a carry, which but is David Lillard, T.J. McCollum, Hashad Whiteside. He's there do you think to he help out that? the team. He knows that. That's the reason he's on this team. He, he, he would be cut from the team if he was the person trying to be the hero. He knows he's not the hero. Here's the thing. I, I disagree. I think he doesn't know that. Yeah, I don't think with, he knows with that. With the n- number of shots that he's putting up and the points that are outcoming for it, I, I just... He doesn't know that. Yeah. And in the playoffs, that's why Zadar and I are saying that he's going to take on the role as the superstar, quote-unquote, player. He's going to act like a D-Lo, uh, not a D-Lo, a Damian Lillard, excuse me, and try to score as many points as he can to, you know, make it a record or go down in the books for something. That's what I think is going to happen. Yeah. I mean, he does. Uh, he he does have a tendency in his past. Of course, when he was in his prime, you'd want him yeah. to shoot a lot of his prime. Yeah, he's d- way out. Of and don't get me wrong, he's a good I player, but like, I like Carmelo shooting, but I don't like the mindset of him being the superstar player. Yeah, me too. And you can see the shots he's taking in games; they're deep threes. He's or not taking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not taking layups, or he the role player will be taking layups, taking charges, stuff like that. But he's he's a great player still, I think. But He's just not at the role player mindset yet. You want to know who another good role player is, Gil? It's here. Oh, no, not Danny Green. Danny Green. Do not bring it up. <laughs> I don't think any viewer wants to hear us go back to Danny Green and or, the Lakers. Or we can talk about my mouth for a second. I think Tim Hardway is a good role player as yeah, well. Yeah, we can, we can talk about the Mavs and then transition into baseball. Does that sound good? Yeah. yeah. Yes, okay. Back to Carmelo Anthony. He's shooting 426 from the field. That is really good. Okay? It's not... It's not great. Doing 35 from three-point. Good. That's good. 35? It's what Kevin Porzingis is shooting. Kevin Porzingis is a seven-foot-one. There's a difference. And? There's, there's not a difference. How tall is Carmelo? Like 6'10"? 6'8". 6'8". 6'6". No, but like, Carmelo likes to post up and then pass out to Damian Lillard. I, I think you guys are wrong about him. And... But the thing about this team, though, is they have to make the playoffs. They, they, They'll make they it. They haven't made it yet. They're I wrong. think we all agree on them making the playoffs, but is he a role player in his mindset or not? I think that is up to discussion. But let's transition on to the Mavs. You saw Kristaps coming out when Luka was out, and that he was very impressive. That was very impressive. And that's what the Mavs needed to see. I think the organization, the fans, they wanted to see Porzingis drop points when Luka's out. And Porzingis definitely does play. He stats wise, he does play better when Luca is out. 
But the thing is, he doesn't like the Mavs. Yeah. Mavs don't win as much when Luka's out, and it's all about the win at the end. He's of the day. definitely the downfall guy. That's why they got him. I mean, he had 38 against uh, the Jazz, I believe, last night, and he was on. He was on point. He was on fire. Yeah, I mean, he he's impressive to watch when he's in that zone making threes. He he's a good passer too for a big for a big guy. He he can pass the ball definitely. And he also he's good at blocks. He has 1.90 games, so it's pretty good for. Big guy. And Porzingis, he's always been injury prone, and that's the biggest worry for teams with him. But when he can play like this, injuries, they can be scarce, but it's happy to have him when he's in that zone. Yeah. And let's talk about Luka Doncic for a second. Of course. Which I love Luka Doncic. I think he's phenomenal on the court. He's averaging 29 points, I believe, and he's just playing. He's He makes so many shots. He makes so many. He gets one-on-one. I don't know if there's many people... That could stop him in the league. I I can 100% agree with that, but at the same time, will he be able to stay healthy for when they need him the most? Because he's he's yeah, constantly I mean, he's hurt. Had, no, he's had two injuries this season. He's probably been out for three weeks and all. That's not that much in the NBA. Yeah, but he's been out twice, and it's like you, you never know if he's gonna get injured again. Yeah. Like in the playoffs, what if he has a six-game injury in the playoffs? That's gonna yeah, it's gonna kill their team. But I mean. They've it's, been able to win games without Luka Doncic, so I don't see it a huge deal. This yeah. team's really good, but uh, they, they do need Luka Doncic in the playoffs, and yeah, he needs to stay healthy. And one thing that was decided of Luka, because he's 20 years old, he turns 21 in February, one this month actually, one thing I want to say in the playoffs, if Luka Doncic can perform in the playoffs at a high level, he maybe will. averaging 25 plus, he definitely will. I think he has potential to be like even a future Hall of Famer. He's definitely Giannis. No, came came from he's a. He's not Yon. He's like he's different. He's not. Giannis he's different like than Giannis, but he's he's a Giannis type of player where he started, not in America, came in yeah, yeah. and developed so quickly. You don't see players developing that. He, like, just as a little joke, he can't even drink a beer yet, and he's playing crazy. Mm-hmm. Where most players, you can see most of the superstars, they have taken time to develop. Giannis, I mean. Him and Giannis are totally different. Giannis is—they're different, definitely. Giannis Their is play a, styles. a freak of athleticism, yeah, in a good way. But back to Luca is—he's just—he's just great. Yeah. He's a great scorer. I know we're hopping through the viewers listening right now. I know we're hopping through subject to subject, mm-hmm. but really quick, just to end it out, the Mavs—why I see them doing so well in the playoffs? Back to this role player ideology is that they have so many role players on this team that are such good bench players. Mm-hmm. Like, the amount of depth they have on the bench, I can just name a couple of things. Seth Curry, yeah, for Seth, one. Seth. Seth Curry is insane. He was on if the Blazers on, that playoff run last on. year. He is. You know what? People talk about Seth Curry as a joke, being foreshadowed it's by his brother. But you know it. what? This shadow that he's put in, he's proving to get out of that shadow. Because when someone says Seth Curry, I don't think, oh, are you mistaken for Steph? I think of, like, <laughs> that dude who can score... 15 points on average every game against a solid team. Yeah, and he's also he's solid from the three-point line. And That's he's getting played 20 minutes a game, but he's doing he's doing rebounds 41% from the three-point line. That's insane. See, now that's that's not Carmelo numbers. And he shoots a lot of threes, too. Yeah. So it's not like he's got like one or two a game. He's shooting no, a lot of threes. And he's making them. That's the good thing. But you know what? He's 87 from the free throw line. Think if you can have a player that comes off the bench, how valuable that is in the playoffs. That's so valuable. So when valuable. your starters are tired, where when we look at the Blazers, their bench players, all their starters are just doing the points and holding the load. This bench team, like I mean, this bench on the team is insane. 
and Dwight Powell the center. He's been playing. Yeah. He's been playing so well for us. He's been getting us so many rebounds, so many points. But, well, not so many, like yeah. ten points a game. But like, he's still like a great role player. As you were saying, a lot of role players yeah. on the team. So many role players: Tim Hardaway, Seth Curry. You you heard our teams, you heard the trade block, but now on to some baseball news. We had a long segment on basketball, but Azad's not much of the baseball junkie. I sure am, but time for a little baseball trade talk and news, and Evan will be helping me out with this one because Azad knows basketball and he knows football, but baseball, baseball is kind of Evan and my thing. So right into baseball. We are going to get into trade talk just like we did with basketball. And one of the huge names swirling around right now is Mookie Betts. And we have another name, Chris Bryant, but let's talk about Mookie right now. What is this going to mean for the Red Sox organization, Evan? And what teams do you think he's possibly going to go to? Because the Dodgers and Padres have been talked about. Well, first off, let's just say if Mookie Betts leaves the Red Sox, their team is, yeah. they're, they're not they, going to be good. They have... Only they're hitters gonna, on that team at that point. They're going to have to tank at the beginning of the year and exactly. find the find the good players on their team and then take them for the next year. But right now, Mookie Betts is the carry on their team. He's the one. He's the guy that they need on their team. Yeah, and they have they have young players, Rafael Denver's, and they have a great infield. Yeah, their team. They do. I mean, they're they're not going to be horrible, but yeah. like they're just not going to be a team that we saw two years ago or even last year. Last yeah, year they right. didn't make the playoffs, they but did. they were still a pretty good team. They the names yeah. there are solid, but where it really starts hurting is the relief pitching because they have yeah. guys like Chris yeah, Sale, David Price. I mean, yeah. they have good pitchers, but yeah, the relief pitchers yeah, exactly. is where it stops. Yeah. Just a halt. I mean, you have names that I've never heard of. You could tell me, I'm like, who is that guy? But at the same time, you, you never know. Like, you'll see a guy who you don't know, like Daniel Vogelback. You didn't know him for the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, no, he, no I, I knew him, yeah. If you're a Seattle Mariners fan, you know that guy, and he's like, he can definitely play. Yeah, but, like, there's names that you don't never heard of, and then they'll come out and do really good for your team. And, like, Gene Segura. Exactly. Gene, I, Gene, no yeah, he was, I had no he, clue who he was. He was batting. He's good. I think he's batting 300 for the he's Mariners. He's for the Phillies right now. Yeah, and then he got traded to the Phillies. And so, yeah, you, you just never know. But, Mucky, now let's start to transition into how much of a beneficial thing will this be to whatever team gets him? And let's just talk about the Dodgers and Padres right now because that's his pool right about now, what the Red Sox are looking to trade. How can this affect the Padres and the Dodgers? And what I'm saying is it it's really just going to affect how they're fielding and their outfield and also the depth in the lineup. I mean... Doesn't Fernando Tatis Jr. play Padres shortstop? Yes. Yeah, so I I feel like they're gonna have to get both of them in the same lineup and Yeah, that's that that's definitely that's gonna, gonna be, be the same. hardest part. And if you have and, two names like Manny Machado, Mookie Betts, and you don't even think about Fernando Tatis, the move that they made over I think it was over the offseason was Tommy Pham. They got him for the outfield. So that outfield will be stacked. Yeah, I think the Padres have a, a legitimate chance to outbeat the Dodgers and like have a chance at winning the title. Like they're a good team. They're yeah. gonna, and if they can get Mookie Betts, I think the they're the, gonna be extremely good. The Dodgers organization, the amount of times that they have gone into the playoffs and expected a ring, or I mean just to win that World Series, is too many times to even count. I think three times in the last three years. Yeah, I, I feel like they don't have like <laughs> they have gone to the playoffs and then they just they just. And they stop. They just choke in the playoffs. They and this year it was the Nats, and I'm a Nats fan, and you know what? I love to see that. I like the Dodgers, but I love to see the Nats winning. Yeah, exactly. The Nats beat them the first round, which is really surprising. But this Dodger team, I feel like when it comes to the playoffs, they're just 
They, they're yeah, they over- choke. They're like they're they're the best team. They're overrated. The regular I think. season, they're so good, and they have they have the relief. They have the starting pitchers, and they have the lineup. But it's just something that hasn't clicked in the playoffs. So I see Mookie going to the Padres, and the Padres are winning this division this year. Well, yeah, if they get of course. If, yeah, but you know, baseball's a long season, so right. injuries might happen. But I say these both both these teams stay healthy, play all at 162. Padres will be better than them. Padres will have a way better record. Yeah, you're definitely right. And adding Mucky to that team will be insane. But on to the last topic, Chris Bryant. The teams that need him, of course, are my team, the Nationals. And in that same division are the Atlanta Braves. We both missed out on Josh Donaldson, who played for the Braves last year and then went to the Twins. But what kind of a force would this be for both teams? I think Atlanta personally needs him more. Because Josh Donaldson was such a huge force in that team. Yeah, I mean, Chris Bryant, he's good, but I just, yeah, I don't see him as a great player. I, I, that's just my he's opinion. He's definitely slowed down from that superstar, yeah. and he's gotten yeah, farther he and farther away so, from I mean, that. I label. feel like he's just going to be an average player this year. I feel like he's going to start to pick it up at the end of his career, but for now, he's not going to be that good. Well, he's still at his start of his career, but what I think is that the Braves are going to really need him most. Because the Nats have had a plan B and they've resorted to that by going and picking up Starling Castro from the Marlins, they've seen that Starling can play third base and he's definitely a transition player when it comes to the infield. But the Braves, they're I, third base I now. I feel like the Braves need him more, yeah. like way more. Because the Braves have they, they Johan just, they just, Camargo and yeah. he he's just he's like, all over the they, place. They just lost their best. One of the best third basemen in the league, Josh Donaldson, and they're going to have to come back and want to get another one. Yeah, because they're they're a good team. Oh right? no, the Braves the Braves are shooting for the World Series, definitely. Yes, the, I mean every team is. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some teams, team you know, is. they're tanking because you know yeah. they, they have no chance. But that was our baseball. Can we talk about one more team? One, one more, more team. team. Let's hear it. The Let's Seattle Mariners. How do you think they're going to do this year? Seattle Mariners not good at all. I think it's. I think the, no, no, no. The Mariners are going to have two years of rebuilding. They are not going to. I think get the Seattle close. Mariners are going to be a huge surprise or a huge disappointment because as th- th- they're like farming right now, they're just going out and getting these players right. from Single A, Double A, Triple A. Yeah, yeah. And and they're developing. Them, and which I is mean, great. they could be good. Like they traded away Gene Segura. They traded away all these players because I don't. I feel like they don't want to pay that money to those players because I feel like those players can't be at the top team. And they have they feel some, like those players can't they have the some top guys like Marco Gonzalez coming back, which is good for the Mariners. But it's a rebuilding season. They're definitely going to develop those players. And when you look at their lineup, all the players like hats, they're all minor league teams. Like one being yeah. Rainier. It's like all the guys have Rainier hats on. Yeah, but you, I mean, you never know. You, you just gotta, yeah. you gotta stay hopeful and hope for the best. Never know, and you know, what? let's hope that the Mariners do well this year because everyone's a Mariners fan at some point because they're a great team, great organization. But that is gonna wrap up our baseball, basketball, football predictions. We also threw in some trade talk right there on eighty-eight-nine. The Bridge. We are Power Predictions. Go check out our Spotify if you like this. And we hope everyone has a great week. We'll see you next week on Tuesday at 8 o'clock p.m.